There we go. On uh, on angels, and we'll we'll get there. Um, but I'm gonna take the long way to get there um, because it makes more sense if we do that. If we rush into it, we we will miss. We'll we'll fall off on some 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 other things. And but first thing we want to do is I wanted to go back to where we were. Uh, last time we met, because we I uh, ran out of time, we were already what 15 minutes over, so I just cut it off. We were in the middle of a breath, and I cut it off. And I, I don't like that. We need to finish this thought that we are on. So if you're not familiar with where we're at, it is all online. If you forget, I need to go back. Uh, hopefully, you'll catch up as we go. But uh, it is all online, um, LaughlinChurch.com, and go to media, and you can see the Genesis studies. We're on part uh, 14 today. Of, uh, of our Genesis chapter 1 study. So that means I've been in Genesis chapter 1 for 14 weeks now. Um, so, uh, but uh, last week, last time we met, we were talking about the rivers of life that flowed out of the garden, uh, the waters, because that discussion came out of the waters that get created in Genesis chapter 1. So we were talking about the rivers of life. And we left off, we were talking about Jesus uh, and the living water. Uh, Jesus being the living water. And um, I want to go, I need to skip some slides here. Here we go, this one. This is what the passage we were on. John chapter 19 Verse 32 and 35. Um, the soldier therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead of one of the soldiers pierced the side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. <coughs> the man who saw it gave testimony uh, gave his testimony is true, and knowing that he tells the truth, he testifies so that you may also believe. Uh, interesting, um, as we were talking about water um, being from Jesus, we see this example of this, uh, that when Jesus is crucified at, at the end of John, they break the other soldier's legs to hurry up the death because you can't pick yourself up and you know, eventually your lungs are going to fill with fluids and you're going to drown on your own uh, fluids and suffocate. That's how crucifixion works. A uh, very torturous way to die. And, uh, but Jesus is already dead. He's already given up the ghost at that point, as we say. Um, and, but, um, and so... After he takes his last breath, the soldiers came and, and, uh, and uh, John, the narrator, you know, he's like, he says, listen, I'm telling you the truth. Everybody will vouch for me. Blood and water flowed out of Jesus, which is interesting. Um, many people have done medical explanations about how this happened, which some of which may or be legit or not legit. I don't uh, but the question at the point when we're reading it, uh, a lot of times we get caught up. We've had this discussion all throughout Genesis chapter 1. We get caught up in the physicality of it. Exactly how did this happen? Because that's the, our mindsets are, what exactly did this look like? And, and, but John's mindset would have been, what's the spiritual ramification of this? It was a, 
He wasn't so concerned with the physics of it. I've used this term before. It's the metaphysics of it. For those of you who are just joining us, we're catching up on an idea we had uh, cut off in the middle of last week, the last time we met, uh, before we move on, um, because I don't like leaving things undone. But, um, so we're talking about the, the uh, waters of life flowing from Jesus, and um, and, and so the question is, at this point in the gospel, does water coming out of Jesus' body have any symbolic sim, uh, significance? Why would they even mention? I mean, because when you, you know, cut someone, I mean, if there's fluid coming out of it, most of the time we just say it's blood, right? It may have been a little flu, more fluid. How do we know it's separate? You know, we just, it's just blood. You know, that's most of the time, that's how we think. Um, but um, this one, we, uh, we, we say this is, uh, but it's got a, signal, a symbolic uh, significance and that's why he brings it up uh i don't know why that's not connecting for some reason today that's okay we'll use this one um so back to the garden of eden but it it goes back to that garden of eden imagery that temple imagery that we see throughout the old testament the the tabernacle imagery the tree in the middle of the garden takes on this whole light where it's the river flows from it and then it splits into four other rivers and uh, that, that all in Genesis chapter 2. So uh, John is trying to tell us that at this moment uh, that Jesus is being high lifted up on the cross. In reality, uh, it's, it's, it's the event that the Garden of Eden was really pointing to. Saying so this is the... The, what the Garden of Eden is pointing to is this: the source of eternal life is, 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 is that tree of life is Jesus Christ. Now, John is riffing off that idea that the tree of life is now this man who is the man God, who's uh, fully man, fully God. He's on the tree. That's the cross. And um, and so we have this imagery here that he's 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 going all the way back to the beginning, and um, and he's assumed right now that that he is the Garden of Eden become human. Uh, that eternal gift of life is uh, in Jesus Christ, and. Uh, and so these images begin to fit together that we see throughout the scriptures, the, the source of life, because, uh, you know, like the temple imagery we saw in like in Ezekiel, where uh, the river of life flows from the temple that, you know, is not a physical ramification in Jerusalem because there's no river flowing out of the temple in Jerusalem. But here we have this, this tree of life coming from. And so, the, so the rivers, the mountains, the high cosmic gardens, the temples, they all overlap in the image of, of Jesus Christ, the, the, the creator of life. Which uh, leads us to um, one last thing I wanted to talk about with water, dealing with water. That's Baptism. Um, uh, we've talked about water, but we haven't talked about baptism. My, um, you know, when I first read Genesis chapter one, 
It's interesting because we baptism is such a, an important life, a part of our Christian life. But when we first are introduced to water, it's what? Chaos. It's a symbol of chaos. Um, but then the followers of Jesus go through the waters to send... To, to like be in part of this, you know, this movement, then this this sign of chaos um, now is a sign of life. We have to go through the chaos and into new life. Um, and uh, and it's it's really this um, and and for uh, Peter. Um, he, he, he likens the baptism to the Noahic flood, which is an interesting way. We don't really think about Noah and the flood when we think about baptism, but Peter did. Um, but, uh, you know, Noah on top of a high mountain making sacrifice, meeting with God on the other side, he, he becomes the archetype that once you go through The waters, the promised land is on the other side. And we see this also like when the people are in Egypt and they go around and then they, they cross through the Jordan River and the, the promise, or the Red, the, the Red Sea. Um, I say Red Sea, not Red Sea, because Red Sea is a bad translation. Um, it's Red Sea of Reeds um, from the Hebrew. Um, but we, we go... Um, so the Sea of Reeds, he's, he's, you know, they're, they're at that running from Pharaoh and they cross through and the promised land's on the other side. The, uh, you know, the Jordan River, the promised land's on the other side. You have to go through the water. Uh, the, um, and so you can, you can riff on this through the rest of the Hebrew Bible in interesting ways. And, um, and it's a fun little study to do. We're not going to do all of that. But, uh, but I did want to turn to First Peter uh, three twenty. The water. The blood. Um, yeah. Uh, so First Peter three. To those who were disobedient long ago, God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. It, in, in only a few people, eight and all were saved through water. This water symbolized baptism that now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you through, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, it's just something we often, you know, I don't know how many times you read first Peter and you're like, just, you know, sometimes you get lost in it or you, but he references the flood, this chaotic flood as being part of, uh, uh, an example of, um, of baptism. It's kind of a, in first Peter, this, this comment is kind of like a side note on the rest of what Peter, first Peter is about, but you have this, uh. Um, he, he's, uh, he'll say this is, you know, this is about, this is baptism. It saves you. 
Uh, it's not the, the water that saves you, it's God that saves you, but it's, uh, it's, it's this coming through the chaotic waters and, and God's redeeming of the waters um, through Jesus Christ. And, um, uh, and you know, and Paul has something similar in his writings, but he doesn't really uh, riff off of, uh, doesn't bring up Noah that often. Uh, Paul's baptism identifies with Jesus and resurrection. It's the same idea, but he doesn't go back to Noah when he talks about it. And we're more familiar with Paul because Paul wrote arguably 13 books of the, of the Bible. So we're more familiar with Paul than we are Peter's writings. Um, but uh, um. All right. So I want to go on to... All right, so that's all I wanted to get through. I was 15 minutes short of getting through it last week. I know. Um, we could have been here until 7.30 and finished it. I know. <laughs> um, well, there were already some complaining. <laughs> um, all right, so I want to go on to heaven and earth, and then we're going to get to the angels. I know that's why some of you were like, oh, I want to talk about the angels, but we'll get there. Uh, but if we can't just rush into these things, if we're going to stick with the ideas found in Genesis chapter 1. So let's go to the meaning of the word heaven. Let's go to heaven. Um, now, we've already talked some about this. So, um, the word heaven, heavens in the, the a little refresher, the words heaven in, in the Hebrew, shemayim, um, shemayim. Um, well, I do, I don't know if I can actually write it on here, um, it's, uh, um, in the English, it would be um, S-H-A-M-A-Y-I-M. I'm transliterating from the Hebrew. Transliterating means you're taking the, the Hebrew letters and putting it into Roman English letters transliterating um, and it's not an exact science so you may have two people that take the same Hebrew letters and transliterate it slightly different because they're trying to capture sounds that um, it's sheen mayim ayan maim if that means anything to you um, but when we talk about shemayim the heavens, it can refer to really three different things. When we, in the Hebrew Bible, we've seen that it refers to three different things. Um, um, uh, the first one, Genesis chapter 1, 6 through 8. Heavens can refer to the sky dome itself, that rakia, um, that divides the cosmic waters from the waters above from the waters below. Um, and God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and it separates the waters from the waters. 
And God made the dome separate from the waters uh, which were below and the dome from which the water were above the dome. And it was so. And God called the dome heavens. And so... Um, so it can refer to that, that ex, uh, there it uses the word expanse. But we, we've already talked about that being the dome. Um, that, uh, that, that, that dome that's, that's above, that's keeping the waters from waters. Uh, so heavens can re- also refer to uh, the, the, the landward side of the sky dome, which is like the visible place, you know, the place where the birds live. So what we'd reference is we'd call it the sky. Uh, uh, Genesis chapter uh, 20. Um, then God said, let the waters swarm with creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the, uh, hev- the expanse of the sky. The, 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 of the, 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 the expanse of the Shemayim. Uh, so the, the sky. Um, so it can refer to, not only it can refer to the dome itself, it can refer to this side of the dome, and it can also then, on the opposite, refer to the, 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 um, the other side too. <laughs> uh, but uh, let me give you one more uh, example. Psalm uh, 8, 8, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea shall not pass the currents of the seas. Um... um Psalm 2, 4, the one entrusted, enthroned in heaven. So yeah, this is the one I was talking about. This is the one I was going to. Uh, so heavens can also refer to the other side of the sky dome, the place where God lives. Okay. So not like we, we, we often like, we say, well, what's on the other side of this? We often want to play like the, the, uh, the sky dome being like the O2 layer or the, um, the ozone layer or something like that. But that's not what they're re- referencing. They're referencing the... The, the, the throne room that's in the heavens where uh, God lives. Um, and uh, that Psalms uh, uses it a lot. The, the one who is enthroned in Shemayim. Um, Psalms 11.4. Uh, the earth, is, the Lord is, is in his holy temple. The Lord is enthroned in the Shemayim, the heavens. And he observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. Um, and so we use the word heaven to reference where, um, where the, s- the sky above and where God lives and the sin. But um, I really want to focus in on the area where God lives. Um, because in the Bible, this is where I'm heading, in the Bible, there are places where they overlap. Heaven and earth overlap. Not talking about the place where the birds live and land lives. We're not talking about that. We're talking about where God's throne and, uh, and, and where God lives and man lives and it overlaps. And uh, the heavenly temple is a great example of this. The uh, it was a symbolic place that was, this is where God lives. This is a place where God's throne. And people get a glimpse of this when they encounter uh, God's throne room. And we'll look at a couple of these for uh, examples. But like, uh, 
when we see heaven's, uh, God's feet on land. But like Eden, the Garden of Eden is a wonderful example of the overlap where God is at. This is, this is heaven and it's earth. And it's a, it's a wonderful example of that. Now, in the scriptures, see, in the time of the Bible's writing, they have something that most of us have forgotten about. The ziggurat. Yes, my son. Overlap means they like, you have part of heaven here and it's a place where both heaven and earth are at the same time. Like yeah, kind of like combined, yes. Um, now, in our way of thinking, it's like... Uh, no, that's that would definitely be because we're 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 so like everything has a component like a, a separateness in our in our uh, most of our American way of thoughts. Uh, you know, our you know we go to church. We don't we not the church. We go to church. We um, you know we go to school. We go home. We go to you know the hospital. We go to. There's everything is has a specific place that we do things at, right? You don't. There's no overlap. We even have business centers and residential centers. You know, like we don't even interlap our, our. You know, uh, we're not going to get into the goods and bads of, of city zoning. We're not going to talk about that. But uh, we're. Yes and no. I, I see what you're saying, that Walmart has everything, so they have all the groceries, at, like a super Walmart. But even within Walmart, you have like your food section, and you have your clothing section, and they're all under one building. But there's not really an overlap there, other than the fact that Walmart is making tons of money off of us. <laughs> uh, they put it all under one building because it's cheaper that way. Um, but um, but in a, a society in the, the Mesopotamian world, when this was written, they had these uh, the people would have would have would have had a different mindset, and there would have been places where where heaven and earth could combine. It would have been just like, of course, there's there's places where heaven and earth can combine. And uh, if you go and you look at the oldest pyramids, actually the oldest pyramid in Egypt. Uh, the step pyramid, which is um, um, is not like the big ones you see. It's not, it's 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 a it's covered mound and it has uh, um, it it's the basis before it got to the the big big ones. Um, they're similar to what Babylonians have called the uh, the ziggurats. Uh, this right here is a picture of a ziggurat. Um, and it's probably what the Bible is referencing when they're talking about the Tower of Babel. When that's the image they would have had in their head is a ziggurat. These things are Mesopotamian buildings. Um, and um, 
They've reconstructed quite a few remains uh, from this in, in the ancient Mesopotamian region. Um, and uh, archaeologists tell us that uh, um, these ritual icons um, that, that, uh, that you would have like um, places for selling and merchants and, and <coughs> sacrifices at the bottom and then uh, different layers you could walk up to, but only the highest of the priests could go to the top layer, which is where the altar sat. Kind of sounds similar to what we, we envision like a tabernacle or the temple. Only the altar's at. And at the, um, and at the top of the, that is, is, um, is, you know, is, is uh, where... Um, where the gods can enter into this world, according to their beliefs, the Mesopotamian beliefs. Um, and so if you go read like uh, the Mesopotamian uh, myths and stuff like that, that's one of the things they had. Um, and so they're, they're literally designed to be mountains, um, Eden-like mountains where the, the, you know, they'll have uh, uh, trees, and fake trees usually, pillars and stuff like that all around them. Um, they didn't call it Eden, but that's the idea behind it. And, um, and there's this large, larger cosmology uh, motif that uh, their gods are at the top of the sacred hill and they enter in. And so um, when they, they go in and like they, you go into these, these temples, they're, they're called like the tower that reaches to the heavens. And that's like what they're called. And because they believe that at the top of these, the gods can enter into this world. Um, I, I really, um, uh, a really wonderful example of this in modern uh, um, media is go watch Ghostbusters 1. <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but... Um, when Dan Aykroyd and, and and the writers of this they were they were thinking of the Mesopotamian ziggurat. When, you can go listen to the uh, director's commentary uh, when they were writing the when they were writing this and they had the the skyscraper that has the steep at the top and at the top it opens up where the where the uh, the god enters into the realm. That's kind of the same vision that the is that the, the Mesopotamians would have. Ziggurats. I've never heard that term before. Egyptian god Ra. Egyptian uh, Egyptian. Uh, it would be Ra and Horus and. Um, uh, Mesopotamian, you're looking at Marduk or Baal or um, Malak, um, um, Ishtar. These are different. They're they're similar to the Egyptian deities, but are quite different at, in other ways. Uh, no, well, there was there are these temples in Egypt, but there are also temples in Mesopot in Mesopotamia region, which is like where Iraq, Iran today. Uh, those ones in Mexico, yes. Um, I don't know exactly how related those are, but some people view them as quite related and some people don't. Uh, yeah, the Mayan Incan. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, I, like I said, I don't know how related they are, but uh, some people view them as very related and some people view them as just a coincidence. Um, I don't know if we can say with any confidence, but we do know what they were thinking of in Mesopotamia, which is what we're focused on because that's where this was written. Well, they were wanting, there's, there's different arguments as to why God was ma- mad at this point. Uh, uh, you know, if they, they said, let us uh, build a, sta- a tower to heaven so that uh, they are awful uh, prideful in this. Uh, they're also not scattering and making more of themselves, which God has also commanded. There's also... Uh, because uh, they said, we're not going to be scattered. And, they, and God said, I need you to separate and, 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 uh, and populate the world. That's one thing he commanded them to do. Uh, thank you, 9-1. Um, and so, um, so, yeah, there's a lot of things that's going on here. Um, uh, but they, they were building a, uh, a tower to heaven so that, that they, could, uh, they could enter into the God space. And um, and uh, and that's really what it was about. Because they weren't. They're not. I mean, they're not silly. They're not. They aren't, They're not building a, a tower to reach up to he- to the outer space. You know, and where there's no oxygen. They were building a tower that they could open up a doorway to heaven. Um, that's what they were wanting to do. Uh, I'm not going to go there, but. Uh, they are, uh, yeah, they are, but, um, but yeah, so the Tower of Babel, God scatters them and confuses the speech, and that's uh, confused, the ba- Balal is the, the Mesopotamian word for confuse, um, and uh, it's, uh, there's wordplay there, so uh, therefore the place was Babel, because he Balaled their language. Um, uh, yeah, Babel, um, this is the only time in English language where they spell the word Babel in the Hebrew, though it's not the only time that Babel is used in the Bible. We just don't, we, we, when we translate the Bible, we often, there's, there's times that we transliterate it, and there's times that we don't. And it's, uh, translators, um, in the Greek version, they use the word Babylon. Um, which is referencing the word Babel. Um, so, um, but, um, so yeah, so, um, and, and Babel uh, in the Hebrew and the Aramaic le- lexicons, if you look at the Hebrew and Aramaic lexicon, you look at the word Babel. Yeah, does anyone know what it means? It means gate of the God. Gate of God of the gods. Gate of God. Um, so yeah, so, so at the top of this gate, they think they're developing a, a, um, 
a portal. Um, so God scatters them, and uh, he chooses one family, uh, calls out uh, a guy from the very region of that all that all that's is happening, right? Uh, Abraham says, once you, you know, I'm going to give you a, a name and give you a blessing, and, and Babylon, on its own term, I'm going to give you a gift, and uh, I'm going to let you be fruitful and multiply, which is one of the problems that he has because it doesn't happen right away because he's got the same problem we do. He wants it to happen now. And God's like, not yet. <laughs> uh, in fact, he makes him wait till after he fully does what he says to do. Leave your family behind. And he, of course, he took Lot with him and he waits till after that. Um, but anyways, so uh, he's going to gift Eden to the family. Through them, the blessed Eden is to spread to all the nations through Abraham. And so there's this whole family drama, Abraham. You guys know the story, right? So um, Abraham has a son, Isaac, and um, actually has uh, uh, the, the first two sons. Uh, has um, Ishmael and then Isaac. Um, Isaac has two sons, Esau and Jacob. Uh, Jacob, uh, the snake. Uh, interesting play on Jacob being the snake, the trickster. Going kind of riffing on an idea found in Genesis chapter 3, right? Uh, that he comes out grasping the heel of his brother just like <coughs> the snake was to grasp the bite at the heel of, of, of man. Um, definitely playing on this idea here. Uh, he deceives him twice. Uh, you know, he uh, deceives his father. Um, and there's a whole story there that we're not really the focus of today, but... Um, uh, you know, he's exiled from the land for 20 years, and uh, he starts making his track back. And then, uh, and, uh, and uh, Jacob um, has to be taken along. Uh, except, uh, I want to turn to part of that story, Genesis chapter 28. Now, this is playing off this thing. We got the ziggurats in our mind, right? Genesis chapter 8, let's go to verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran, and he reached a certain place and spent the night there. Uh, sorry, I lost my place. Because the sun had set. He took one of the stones from the place and put it uh, there in his head and lay down in that place, and he dreamed. A stairway was set on the ground with its uh, its top reaching the sky, and God's angels were going up and down it. The Lord standing there beside him, saying, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you your offspring, the land on which you are living. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out towards the rest, the east, the north, the south. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring, look, I am with you and watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to the land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Uh, when Jacob awoke, he said, surely the Lord is in this place. I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. None other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is definitely 
ziggurat talk. He's using the ideas that they would have known from the Babylonian ziggurat mythologies that he's from the people that he's you know his father was at this is his father would have grown up knowing this the the people around him would have these kind of same mindsets they're using this this terminology here uh so you know he he departs from Jibra, that's uh uh he when he departs from beersheba and went towards haran that's where abraham came from um when he came to the promised land um and uh, he spent the night there, and uh, you know he took a, uh, uh, a nap with a, um, a stone underneath his head, which is a wonderful pillow, apparently. Uh, and um, uh, and he lay down, and he has this dream, and we're kind of, kind of, we kind of know it's a dreamish kind of state. You know, it's a dreamish state. Um, He says, behold, a stairway or a ramp. Uh, the Hebrew word there is uh, sulam. Uh, it's only used here in the whole Hebrew Bible. This is the only place it's used. Uh, so it's one of those words that we're like, okay, this one stands out from all, you know. Um, it's some kind of ramp. Um, it gets translated in your King James Version as ladder. Um, um uh, Jacob's Louder or uh, some of your tr- translations may translate it as Stairway to Heaven um, not the uh, Led Zeppelin version um, that was talking about something totally different uh, <laughs> but uh, but um, you know he says so behold there's a, a, a you know he sees a, a stairway or a ramp that's uh, that's going up and uh, um to heaven and uh it's uh set on the lands and it's it's in the heavens it's 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 head it's the top of the stairway is is in the sky in the heavens and uh yeah Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the argument about what's going on with that one is not really what we're talking about tonight. <laughs> uh, I, I do definitely think it has pride in there. It has They were not listening to God because they're prideful. There was a lot of issues going on there. Uh, that's why they got scattered. Um, but we have this imagery of uh, kind of like the Tower of Babel. That's what we're, we're seeing here is this stairway to heaven. Um, it's, um, it says, you know, so we're talking about, uh, so, so a stairway ramp was set on land. It's, had, uh, it's actually verbatim from Genesis chapter 11. Look, the angels, uh, you know, is there's the same imagery right there taken from Genesis chapter 11. So we're supposed to have, so when we read this, we're supposed to have like this image that man had tried to make a, a, a stairway to heaven. And now God is showing Jacob his stairway to heaven. And so we're like, okay, man tried to make this, 
But he's using the same language, the same ziggurat language. Boom, this is the stairway to heaven that God has. Yeah. That's right. That's what we're talking about, God's overlapping station. Absolutely, this is God overlapping. This is heaven and earth overlap. Um, so he says, look at the angels. Um, now, angels, we'll talk about this more as we get on the subject of angels, but the word angels in this particular case is a... Um, is, well... When we reference angels, we kind of just throw like all heavenly beings, like all of them as angels. And that started probably sometime in, in the, the, the New Testament period. But um, in this particular ta- case, angels is a job function word. It's their, their, their job. They're angelos or messengers, malak, they're messengers. So this is not a word of like human or alien or 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 type this is a a a word of this is their job Uh, we'll come back to that uh, as we go through this but uh, so they're the messengers of god and so he sees messengers of god going up and down this stairway presumably to take messages (laughs) that's their job take messages from God to wherever they're going. Um, Babylon was a bad ladder. Well, it was man's la- mind's a tip. Now he's showing his good things, but it's the same language, same language. So we're supposed to have the same kind of image in our head. Man tried to do Tower of Babel. God's showing his own, his, he's already got one. He doesn't need you to build one. He's already got one. <laughs> Um, kind of like he doesn't need an image. He's already built one. He doesn't need an image like a golden calf or whatever. He said, I already made one. It's you. Um, you know, so there's this, 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 this. So he's got that, that, uh, uh, here's my Tower of Babel. And so, so he's, so there's this, and he looks and the Lord is standing on top. Yahweh is, is on top. And um, and so we have this this holy place. Um, I'll probably talk about this again and bring it up several times. Holy does not mean perfect. There's only one perfect thing out there, and that's God, right? But lots of things are listed as holy in the Scripture. Holy land does not mean that it was like some specific place that was without blemish it's still part of this fallen place holy in the scriptures means set apart set apart so even when it references like the angels as holy ones he's not saying they're perfect beings shoot we see them mess up genesis chapter six they mess up (laughs) Uh, they're not perfect beings Romans, Paul calls the church of Rome holy ones. There's other places where the the Christians are referred to as holy ones. That's not saying we're perfect all of a sudden. That's saying we've been set apart. 
So when I say holy one, so this is a holy place, not because it's some special ley lines that makes it, it's been set apart because God is there. It's been set apart for God. And so um, they've, uh, the holy land, uh, this, this holy uh, place is there, the, the house of, uh, of God, Bethel, uh, which means house of God. That's what Bethel means. So um, is what this place becomes na- labeled as. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so they're on the, doing the, their daily duties, you know, whatever their daily duties are to carry messages, their messengers. There's other types of heavenly hosts out there. There's some other common ones you might know of, you know, seraphim. And, and, and um, interesting enough, uh, well, you know what, I'll save that for later. Um, no, I can say it now. There's no... Um, Mention of angels, messengers having wings. There's no 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 mention of them having wings. Um, the messengers actually, in fact, most of the time when we're mentioned angels, they're originally confused with human beings. We're like, oh, I didn't know. And actually, the Bible says you might be attend, attending angels unawares. That means they're so much like us that you. I think if they had real wings, we'd be kind of like. That would be a pretty big flag, right? <laughs> like, I, you, there's something different about you. It might be the giant wings. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> but that is the seraphim. That is not the angels. Those are not malachs. Right, the seraphim, right. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yep, there's, there's different kinds of heavenly host beings, and they have different kinds of wings. Um, uh, but uh, there's, it's, it's not eight, it's, but that's okay. Uh, but, um, but uh, they, yeah, they have different levels of, but in, in our modern archi- uh, artistry, we often put angels with the wings. And I don't necessarily think that's wrong, even though it's not biblically correct. But it does give us a good like, way of like, saying what we're talking about. It's a good indicator of what we're talking about. So I'm not saying let's go tear down all aim- images of angels with wings. I'm not, I don't, I don't, but, it, but we should be aware that the Bible says we might be attending them unawares. They look so much like us that you cannot tell the difference. And so, um, so yeah, so when they're, it's not that they're flying up and down from sky. They're climbing this this ladder, this stairway. Um, no mention of it. Uh, there are other heavenly beings that have. Now, we've, we've, we've kind of lumped all the heavenly beings with the word angel. Um, um, well, there's, there's interest in places, but uh, I, I don't say that they can't sing, but... Uh, <laughs> But that's not their primary function is the primary function, especially in the Old Testament, is to bring messengers, right. which isn't their primary function isn't a heavenly choir up in the message to, to sing to us. That's their message. Their, their messengers. Remember the word angel in the Hebrew, the malach, uh, <coughs> the original, it's, it's a word not of what they are. It's a, it's a word of a function. It's what they do. And they're messengers. 
Um, and so um, all those messages are going out and um, Uh, there's no, that is all tradition that comes from somewhere else that's not actually, um, but, um, yeah, so he sees Yahweh up there and he said, you know, and, uh, um, listen, you're going to leave the land and I'm going to bring you back here and I'm going to fulfill the promise I made Abraham through you and. You can have lots and lots of children and so on. And surely he woke up from his sleep and surely Yahweh is right here. I had no, you know, and he's like, I had no clue before I fell asleep. Uh, um, but uh, they're, they're um, but it's at this place where he's relaxed and he's, he's, uh, he's in a state of consciousness that makes him able to see the reality that's beyond the reality um, and he's um, and so like oh you know God Yahweh is in this, is in this place and, and he's afraid and I think it's it's it's, it's uh, this is a wonderful example of the overlap where God is at meeting human beings in, in, on earth at the same time where the overlap happens um, and you know, and this is, uh, and so we see the same kind of imagery we see with the temple, um, you know, the gate of heaven, um, and so, um, and um, and so, it's, yeah. So we see this, this these hyperlinks going on uh, that um, that kind of show us these these places where where we can be. And that sets us up for like riffing off like Eden is this place, one of those places where overlap happens. But it also sets us up for when Jesus comes, Jesus allows us the overlap to happen. Jesus is the one who creates the overlap. And so as we become, we, it's not that we just go to heaven when we, it's about living now on earth and we have like little overlaps happening as we accept Christ. Everywhere there's Christ's kingdom is spread on earth, we have little overlaps happening where he is at in this broken, fallen world. And uh, so we have these little overlaps happening, and he keeps recreating these moments. Um, and we, uh, we can... Uh, let's look at one more of these, these little re, uh, these moments. Uh, Exodus 24. Um, glance at my clock real quick. Yeah, I'm going to run out of time again. Uh, that's okay. I always do. Um, then Moses went up with Aaron, uh, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the Israeli, uh, Israeli leaders, and they, they saw God of Israel. Um, so, so well, let's, before we go really into this, let's, okay, so Jacob, he's in exile, he has 12 kids in exile, and then they, they, they come back to the land, and then they, um, um, there's this brother who has younger, who's the youngest of the brothers, and uh, you guys remember that story? Uh, the youngest brother starts having dreams, um, 
that uh, God has elevated him above the sun and the moon and the stars as a ruler. Um, and his family uh, and the cosmos is giving allegiance to him, uh, which is, uh, he's, they're like, that's ridiculous. You're like a 17-year-old kid, uh, you know. Uh, so his, uh, his brothers, instead of, uh, you know, acknowledging God's going to elevate him and place leadership, they, you know, send him down into a pit, which is kind of fun because I love the imagery there. He says he's going to be elevated, and so they throw him in a pit. Uh, love that imagery. Uh, the Bible's full of that kind of stuff. Um, um, and then they sell him, go, and then he goes down to Egypt. The, the word, they, they, they use the directional words there, down to Egypt. Uh, so like he goes, instead of going up to the uh, like, uh, rulers, like you know, you're going to be above the stars, and you're, you would think up, and he goes down, and then down, and then down, you know. Um, and so that's, it's kind of fun languages. Um, and so, uh, so then the, you know, then you have, uh, the Exodus story, you know, um, um, you know, where they're, they're enslaved and, and Pharaoh starts, uh, uh, building historic cities and, uh, uses, um, you know, he, they're using brick and mortar and, um, and they, they start building this false Eden and they use slaves, the, the Israelite people to build like, not the uh, the pyramids. That's not what they're building. That was before them. In fact, they're probably building like storehouses for the gods, the temples, um, housing. They're just building whatever they need. But uh, a lot of people, a lot of the newer evidence that people are saying is that very well might have been they were building like temple storehouses, so like the f- storehouses to the false gods. Uh, so there would be kind of even more institutes if that's true. Um, we don't really know what they, they, we're just told that they were building, making bricks. Um, and so, you know, God raises up a deliverer, uh, Moses. Love the word Moses. Uh, in Hebrew, it means to be drawn out. In the Egyptian, it means something like you have no father. Uh, like you, um, excuse my language, it means something like bastard. Because uh, Moses means uh, to be um, like uh, son of. And so you would be like Ramosis, your son of Ra. Or uh, uh, Tatmosis, son of Tot. Uh, just to be Moses means, I don't know who your daddy is. <laughs> um, kind of a fun play on words there. Um, but in Hebrew it means to be drawn out. Um, and so, um, yeah, so, uh, Moses, um, uh, <coughs> he, uh, you know, he, he's drawn out and then, you know, he, you know, eventually gets to the point where he, you know, goes to Pharaoh and there's the 10 plagues and, um, you know, and then let my, you know, let my people go and Charleston Heston voice, right? Um, you know. Uh, yeah, he uh, decrees that uh, Egypt go back to darkness and animals rebel and, uh, you know, he collapses Egypt itself, its economy, but also its God system. That's the main focus is he's destroying the gods of Egypt. Um, it's a very spiritual, the ten plagues are very spiritual in nature. They're, he's destroying the ten pl- uh, gods. and We might do another section on that one later, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's very spiritual in nature. And then he leads them through the waters to the promised land and brings them to the mountain. Um, 
And, you know, Moses, the same mountain that Moses had that crazy encounter with the bush, right? The bush that was on fire. Um, and uh, the phenomena where he, the Lord, uh, you know, uh, the Lord spoke to Moses through an angel, um, which is kind of like a, a, a Jesus before Jesus moment. Um, actually, I think it was the, the same. It, it was like, it was an incarnation. It wasn't Jesus, but it was the same spirit that will become Jesus. Um, it's, it's kind of one of those things like, eh. Um, but I really think it's, it's the Jesus before he's Jesus moment. Uh, you know, one of those, those moments. There's, there's a few places where the, the, the angel of the Lord speaks, and there's a, 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 a very much a divine, it's different from the other messengers. Um, there's a couple of uh, a few instances in the Bible, and you're like, "This is this is these these ones are different than the other messengers." Um, and not everyone agrees with me on that one, but I think we have uh, um, some um, some Jesus before Jesus moments there. Um, and uh, so uh, so you know, so he has you know the bush, and and so they go back to there, and they, and and God shows up in clouds of thunder, lightning, and fire. Um, and God, they have what's uh, equivalent to a marriage ceremony, uh, which is something we don't really understand, you know, because we don't have like you know, it's not the wedding chapel, you know, it's it's there's the covenant made that's very much kind of like a a wedding ceremony in the ancient uh, Near East society, um, and so um, and so we we get to this uh, Exodus chapter twenty four. You know, Moses went up to Mount Sinai with Aaron and Adab and other sons and seventy others, and they um, and they see God of Israel up on the mountain, uh, um, and uh, beneath his feet beneath God's feet. So under God's feet, there was this, this well-paved, solid surface of, of, of sapphire, um, which is... Um, what color is sapphire? All kinds of colors, right? Uh, in the area that they're talking about, sapphires are usually blue, clearish blue. Yep, it does say lapis lily. Uh, it's referred to a bluish. Uh, uh, sapphires come in all kinds of colors, um, but the ones that they have in this area are often are they're they're clear as the sky itself. There's this bluish clear color to them. Uh, these ones are are uh, uh, lapis lily. It says it's clear as the sky itself. Uh, so we've got these these colors going on here, and I'm out of time, aren't I? Um, so, um, yep, yeah, I know, I know. Yep, yeah, they're all turning to pumpkins. Um, yeah, and so we have. This and they're yeah so they're they're but they're on top of this and they got this pavement 
which is cool, but it's the imagery here is he's like sitting on the sky itself. That's the imagery here. He's sitting on the, the heavens, that rakia. Uh, they're looking through the rakia and they see his feet. And they can't see much higher because it goes too far up, you know. And they, but they see his feet. And, uh, and is this a safe place for humans to be? No. No. There's lightning and fire and smoke and God and... No. That is a subject for another day. That is also a subject for another day. I recommend you go to David's class that they're talking on Ezekiel. They'll be talking about that fairly soon if they haven't already. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, those are good questions, but I'm already out of time. So, um, so yeah, so Yahweh... Uh, you know, he did not stretch out his hand against uh, the nobles or the sons of Enter. He protects them, when, even though they're in this dangerous place. And uh, they have like a banquet up there. They eat, they drink on this cosmic mountain. And uh, Yahweh says to Moses, Moses, come on up here. And I'm going to give you these tablets and the Torah and that I've written. And so he goes up on top. And, and of course, some things happen up top. Um, let's talk about what happens up top next week because we're out of time. Um, and yeah, I definitely don't have time to get through that. And then we'll talk about creation in the temple. And then we'll get on to those rulers above. And then we'll talk about the rulers below, um, which is not demons. That's not what I mean by rulers above. Who's the rulers below? Us. We're the rulers below. Um, we'll talk about that. It'll probably take us a couple weeks to get there. Um, but, um, all right. Uh, let's save your questions. Let's write them down. You can email me to them and I might get back to you. Uh, no. <laughs> it is a busy week. Uh, but uh, but uh, we will continue this discussion next week as we talk about... Um, about this, these overlap spaces, and then we'll get to, to the rulers above. Oh, Father God, we praise you today, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful blessing and just your word. We ask that you just open our minds and our hearts to see your, and be honest with, with the scriptures, Lord. We pray that uh, we be lifted into your holy of holies as we, as we want to have the overlap experience with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.